you're listening to the Holistic Travel Nurse Podcast. I got an episode for you. This needs to be shared. I hope this is the this is how we uh, attack the school boards. Here we go. This is this is so important. I'm gonna listen to part of this. Parents had facts and they had studies and they had science. Before we start, just a quick word, brother. Government overreach, like what I just described, and corporate tracking are at the top of reasons why VPNs are becoming more popular and, I would say, necessary. When it comes to VPNs, Virtual Shield is what I use. Here's why. First, Virtual Shield is a no-log VPN. That means Virtual Shield does not store your search history on their servers. Second, it's the fastest and easiest to use VPN ever. And third, they have a 30-day free trial. I would like to have them as a uh, sponsor. They're not a sponsor. They're a sponsor of his, not mine. Sorry. But I'm just going to have you listen to a little bit of this. Um, I heard it yesterday and I was like, oh my gosh, this has to get out everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I'm very, very excited to welcome this guest to the program, a new guest. And my thanks to Crow Triple Seven for helping arrange this. Guys, it's time to take our country back. We all know it, and some of y'all are doing it. One such man, a free man, is Stephen, who lives in Ohio. He has three kids, and he just read the school board, the Riot Act, the legal Riot Act. Guess what happened? They immediately threw in the towel on the mask mandates. Stephen, welcome. Thanks for having me, Sean. Well, thanks for coming on. I want to do a screen share here and start with another hero, an eight-year-old girl who told her Florida school district that they better abandon the mask mandate or else. I'm not making that up, and it worked. Listen to this. My name is Fiona Lachaz, and I am in second grade at Discovery Key Elementary. I am back to talk to you again today. And for anyone who thinks I didn't write my speech, last time is wrong i wanted to be here then just like i do now sorry if i'm am supposed to be scared when i see people yelling at these meetings so i am back today and tomorrow is my birthday i am going to get suspended if i don't wear a mask for three more days just because i get suspended for not wearing a mask isn't going to change my mind you can keep suspending me. I still have the right not to wear a mask. It is not fair that I'm getting punished because you guys, the school board, are not following the law. That is not fair. It just isn't right. I'm still going to stand up for what I believe in, and nothing's going to change my mind. I've been getting suspended a lot because I'm wearing a mask. Do you know how dirty masks are? Because you touch the mask, you put it on your face, you breathe all those germs in because you have lots of bacteria on your hand. Oh, and okay, yeah, I hope you all go to jail for doing this to me. And my family is proud of me. And my Uncle Murphy that is in heaven is really proud of me. And I want to say Burke sucks, but instead of, your rules suck. 
Alright, I'm going to pause it there. I'm proud of her, too. And guess what happened? The school district abandoned the mask mandate after being told they should be in jail by that little girl. I'm coming back to you, Steve. It gives me goosebumps, man. We need an eight-year-old, evidently, to set the stage and show the example for parents in this country, many of whom are willing to go along with the mask mandates and the coercion into vaccine mandates, but not you, my friend. You did something very special. So I want to get a little background here. How did you get on this track of using the law which I will note you wrote in a PDF is damn near perfect in this country. How did you, not an attorney, get your head wrapped around the law and how to use it against these people? Let's just get the background and then we'll tell people how they can do the same. Well, your show really, uh, I mean, I, I heard you with Christopher James and that really piqued my interest a lot. And then um, we had Crow and Alphonse on, I think back in May or April. And uh, I joined Alphonse Telegram, or, uh, Telegram channel with different intentions of like at that point i figured everybody did it ever wrong me i could probably get back at but then uh went down different paths when i started listening to uh crow and, and the actual law street and uh i figured well let's uh let's just see how it goes and alphonse talked i don't know if he talked to you about marjorie taking down attorney um but he started talking about indemnification of public officials and everybody had to be indemnified had to carry uh, bond insurance, and I thought, and he said all public officials did, and that really piqued my interest, and I said, I wonder if this could, this applies to school boards, because they seem to be a huge problem, especially while I know you're familiar with what's going on down in Loudoun County, Virginia, and I guess Fairfax County isn't any worse, or isn't any better, um, but uh, it really piqued my interest, so I started looking into public official bonds, and I found public official surety bonds, and uh, that's some pretty powerful stuff. It's been on the books since 1792. Uh, Congress put it in for the, the paymaster for a $20,000 bond to, uh, to, to guarantee his um, public official status. And it's just carried on ever since. And it's put in the books, but it seems from what I looked into, and I called all the people in my county, everybody bonded. They just don't know what it's for. They just know they have to have it. And uh, once you really start digging into them, they're powerful, and they can unseat anybody as far up as the state, um, even up to the state governor. Uh, I haven't gone too far into that, but uh, I did get an email shortly before we came on from uh, someone who's military. Apparently, these bonds go all the way up through the feds and everywhere. So this, uh, <laughs> this is pretty powerful stuff here, John. Well, it is, and I appreciate you bringing this to my attention, and this is just a great example of how we can all inspire each other. So thanks for saying that you were listening to those interviews I did with Crow and Alphonse and with Christopher James, who so smartly asks us all to understand the basics of our freedoms. Am I property? Do you claim me as property? Of course, nobody can. Then produce the contract. Show me the contract between you and me. And if there isn't one, then our business is done here as they try to force vaccine mandates on the population. I'll do a screen share here. Uh, this letter that you wrote and uh, presented to the Ohio School Board, tell us about this. You cite Ohio Revised Code 3.30, uh, an excerpt as otherwise provided in Section 3.061 of the Revised Code. A person elected or appointed to an office is required by law to give a bond or security previous to the performance of the duties imposed on the person by the person's office, etc. 
very powerful letter here. I don't fully understand all of it, but you've definitely caught a genie in a bottle here because my understanding is you read this letter to the school board, and what happened? Uh, they capitulated. Uh, they unanimously voted it down. Now, in the actual meeting, I didn't know how to close, which I have uh, since remedied, and it's at the very bottom where it says I call for a vote. Um, but they were scared when I finished speaking. Uh, they, they were. I could see the fear in the superintendent's eyes. And uh, the uh, temperature of the school board from that meeting to the previous one, which I did not attend, uh, the parents that were involved in the first one, they said that they, the school board wanted to hear nothing. They just rolled over them. They just steamrolled them the whole time. And the parents had facts, and they had studies, and they had science showing how detrimental this stuff was to the kids, but they just didn't want to hear it. And after I spoke, they were very humble. And I put them on notice. And really what I did was just put the dogs back on the leash. These, these are public servants. They're supposed to serve us. We are the masters. They are the servants. It's not the other way around. And I reminded them of that. And that's the importance of what I did. I, I put them back on the leash. And we can all do this. We just have to do it properly. And I know Christopher James talked about that a lot. we got to do it properly. When the law is used correctly, it works for we the people. When we put it in the hands of a lawyer, try and act as a lawyer, outside of our, our capacities as men and women, that's when we get beat. And we, we do it correctly. And I worded it very strongly for a reason, because I wanted them to know that I was not part of what their system is. That I'm just one of the people. And I put that right in the beginning. I also knocked them out right in the beginning of trying to suck me into their system. Uh, if you want to read that, I think that opening, that opening speech is, uh, or that opening is pretty powerful. Yeah, let's take a look at that. And uh, I think that the powers that ought not be are finally getting the message across the country that parents are fed up, the schools are not in charge, the administration is not in charge of our children's education. We, the parents, are in charge. We, the property taxpayers, are in charge. These schools, these public schools, would not have any funding were it not for the taxpayers and their property taxes. And Terry McAuliffe, who ran for governor in Virginia, he found out the hard way, didn't he? That parents are fed up. And guess what? Parents who are constitutionalists and care about their kids are not white supremacists, Merrick Garland. We are red-blooded Americans who cherish our freedoms in the Constitution. So let's go back to the document and uh, we'll figure out how Stephen started this presentation. He wrote, first and foremost, I will be making statements, not questions, so until I'm finished speaking, there's no need or requirement for anyone else to speak. I am one of the people and not subject to the rules and regulations of your board. So time limits mean nothing to me or anyone else speaking. And I assure you, not hearing what I have to say will be extremely detrimental to both your office and you individually. I love that. And uh, you didn't ramble on for 30 minutes. I, what did it take to read this whole thing? It's three pages. It probably took you, what, five minutes? If that, I don't think, it, I, I ran through it pretty quick, but I made sure to make eye contact with the uh, pertinent parts that I, I found pertinent anyway. Um, it was maybe less than two minutes. And like I say, the, the, the goal was achieved. I put those people on notice, you know, and um, they didn't really have a recourse. And some, some, since the Crow episode, some people contact me and they say, well, should, should we like notice them before with this or should we, should we give them some kind of notice we're going to do something? I said, no, no, not at all. You want to blindside them and back them into the court. 
you want them on the spot. You don't want them the chance to talk to their attorney and their attorney to try and throw a monkey wrench in it. You don't want to try and speak as an attorney. You want to tell them the laws, tell them what they're bound by, tell them how their rules actually work. Because those rules that they have in the state codes and the county codes and ordinances and stuff, those apply to them. Those apply to them in corporations, not to we the people. So they're the ones that are bound by that, not us. And read them the riot act. Tell them how it actually is. Tell them that you're going to hold them accountable. And then make them make a decision in their own mind, not wait for an attorney to coax them out of it. And that's you, you just want to put them against the wall. That's what I did. And it achieved the end that the parents wanted to achieve. Sean, there was five of us there total. Myself and four other parents. That's all it took. And no, it wasn't it wasn't advertised or anything. We didn't have a video, unfortunately. There was a report in the local newspaper about it, which they misquoted me one of the things I said. But regardless, I still achieved the same end. And I found out two days ago that our neighboring school district also backed off on the mask. So I don't know if I had anything to do with that or if that speech had anything to do with that or anything, but I'd like to think it did. Well, it probably did, and uh, you know, here's what's puzzling to so many of us who can actually think and actually care about children, whether we have children or not. I'm a dad, you're a dad, some listeners aren't parents, but they care about the kids a hell of a lot more than these school boards and these teachers that are torturing children by making them wear masks all day long, smelly, well, you know, the little girl got it right, the eight-year-old girl got it right. She's breathing her own germs all day, and these school boards and these teachers don't care. I think it's about power, because the science is clear. Number one, children are not at risk of dying from this COVID. They're just not. 99.99% will never, ever have a problem with it. The survival rate is nearly 100%. And beyond that, the mask science is clear. It's BS. The masks are BS. They don't do anything. It's theater. And it's time that these school boards hear the truth. And it's time that we, the parents, start playing hardball. And you've given us another avenue with which to play hardball with these people. And we're going to need this information when they start trying to vax mandate our children as well. All right, so we'll go back to your document because I just want to flush this out and understand what happened here. You told them, I've written claims against your bonds, and I will personally put them in the hands of every parent in this district. I have two weeks off every month, and I have no problem doing just that. Once a claim is made, your insurance company is now on notice of a pending lawsuit, which they will be on the hook for. All right, I love that. I'm coming back to you. I think, guys listening, there's another avenue we can have. You know how these hospitals are torturing people, and they're not providing actual care? They're just rolling out the protocols, remdesivir, you know, starving people to death, withholding hydration. It's torture in the hospitals. I think threats of a malpractice lawsuit against doctors can result in very much the same thing. Because even if a judgment is not made against the doctor, filing a malpractice lawsuit against a doctor affects their insurance rates, and they know it. So I think you're on to something very important here. Uh, just describe the reaction of the board, and did they vote immediately at the end of this meeting about uh, rescinding the mask mandates? They quieted down and actually tried to move forward with the meeting uh, with their regular business. And um, the moms that, that, I had, that I actually met with, all the moms that were there, and they pushed the issue. And I don't know if you've heard of the ESSA. you heard of those? Vaguely. It, what are they? It's uh, emergency... Damn, I'm going to look up really, really quick. Um, it's emergency... 
Is it federal government money for these schools? Yeah, it's coming out of the CARES Act. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It makes my blood boil. This is all driven from the top down. And the states have the power, but they're usurping the power of the states from the top down because we have a criminal government. Yeah, it's the elementary and secondary school emergency relief fund. Now, um, Dr. Sean Brooks, and I think you have actually sent uh, or played one of his videos. He stood in front of um, Miami University's mm -hmm. board talking about jazz and how they're gonna they're gonna kill people in the next three to five years. Um, he actually um, got a hold of the school of the uh, school board association for the or the no the Department of Education for the state. He got all the guidelines for the ESSER funds. And it says right in them that they get the ESSER funds in compliance with the CDC guidelines for COVID um, restrictions. And they try and lie about that. They don't know that's not part of it. But it's, up around $4,000 to do it. Um, my math was wrong on Crow's show. I said my, my um, district is probably about 1,000 kids. And I said $4,000 a kid, that's $400,000. No, that's $4 million. Uh, so $4 million a kid to keep these masks on and keep these quarantine garbage up because they're still quarantining the kids. Um, that's a lot of money, $4 million, for them to say that, for, for them to get them to do that. And I mean, I don't know how corrupt public officials are, but if I had $4 million sitting there that nobody's really tracking or paying attention to, and I can make that money disappear in my own pocket, I'd probably figure it out. So that's just me. I'm just a regular working guy. So who says they aren't? How hard would it be to get a RICO investigation done by the FBI? You know, there's a lot of recourse in that. But that, that part scared me because the mom, one of the moms brought up the escrow funds, they kind of caved pretty quick there, and they really started putting it and I think what I said, because I put about 18 U.S. Code 241 and 242 in there, those are federal felonies. They've got staunch prison sentences if they're convicted of that. And it's conspiracy against rights and deprivation of rights under color of law. Now, anything the CDC says, the color of law. It's a word or, or an ordinance or a guideline or something. color of law. It's not the actual letter of the law. That's the difference. And they're using that to mask these kids for eight hours a day and however for 80 days a year. They're also getting federal funds to do so. So if they think they can stand it on, a, on anything in federal district court and say, oh, well, we're, we're, we have any reason we can do this because of public health. And we'll go, wait, you're getting $4 million for all these kids? These masks on? What do you think? <laughs> oh, that's, that's for health, right? So that really pushed the issue and then it forced it to a vote. But they, a couple of the members spoke about, oh, this wasn't a deprivation of rights. We're worried about liability for public health blah 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 and um i brought up that none of this was law none of it was a law none of it was written down by any legislative body and if they are required they shouldn't be worried about getting sued by somebody that gets, gets covid they should be worried about getting sued by the parents that are going to hold them to the letter of the law and I, I, that really pushed it over the edge and then they voted it was probably about five minutes after i finished speaking and they voted it was unanimous well one guy abstained but the rest they all voted unanimously to uh, knock down the mask that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, fantastic job, Steve. I mean, I look, it's high time that everybody get involved, and you're a great example of how getting involved, getting educated, educating yourself, because that's what you had to do here, right? As, as far as these codes goes and these bonds goes, you had to educate yourself, and you did that. And there's a PDF document that Rose sent me. Rose is uh, on Crow's team, so my thanks to Rose and Crow. For, uh, getting to know you and helping me get to know you. Uh, a step-by-step -step issuance of claim provided by you, Steve. And uh, I'm wondering, 
where this PDF lives. Maybe I'll reach out to Rose and I'll try to figure out where the PDF lives on the internet. I've got a copy here, but I want to leave a link to this below so listeners can educate themselves. So they can search for state-specific laws on oaths of office and bonds. And uh, in this PDF you write, keep it handy, read requirements, memorize code number, annotate in document or notes, and you take people through how to do all of this and learn all of this so that they can discover the bonds and uh, the language and the law where they live and then present the same information to their school boards. Um, am I missing anything and how difficult was it for you? How much time did this take for you to track all this down, educate yourself and then present it to the board? I mean, are we talking months, weeks, days? It was actually a few days. Uh, well, I guess I spread it over some time. I, I worked two weeks straight and had two weeks off. Um, so I did a little bit here and there while I was working, right? Like not at work for a while, using my two weeks on just quick internet searches to see what I can find um, for the public official security bonds, and then um, official misconduct and things like that. And then the bonding requirements and uh, oaths of office for, uh, for my state. Now everyone's a little bit different, and some I guess have made it so they don't have to be bonded, but they have to be indemnified somehow. They have to have some kind of uh, liability insurance. And just real quick, you were talking about how to go after hospitals. Uh, let me tell you, I found out hospital boards are also bonded. At least in the state of New York, they are. So they have to carry their own individual liability insurance, too, and they don't even know that that's what it is. And it's in case they cause wrong or harm in their condition. And from um, my assertion, everybody uh, has anybody's lives or livelihoods in their hands. Aside from independent business owners, of course, um, they are required to be bonded cause wrong or harm so that people have recourse and this is uh this is big stuff but as far as doing it myself i called my county first to see if anybody in the county had those records um i also got in touch with the ohio state school board association to see who would be required to be bonded now in ohio it is the uh, president of the school board the treasurer and the superintendent of the school now, nobody else on the board has to be bonded, but individual capacity, you can take care of that if you write the suit. So that'll scare them, it should be enough. Um, <clears throat> but the rest, or those other three, they have to be bonded. And those are for small amounts. Um, and it was, um, honestly, an office and people service bonds, the kind of bonds they had. And I like to reiterate this to everybody I talked to. The school board treasurer didn't know that. She thought it was some kind of debt bond. That's not even the available bond according to what the, the state requirements are. Uh, you have like dishonesty bonds, you have honesty bonds, you have people service bonds, fidelity bonds, fiduciary duty bonds. There is no such thing as a debt bond as far as the public official requirement to be in office is concerned. So it's funny they don't know. And as far as up the county, none of them seem to really know what the bonds were about either. So if you have corrupt county officials, there's another way. You know, go after those bonds. And the great thing about it is once a claim is made against those bonds, they never go away. Never. It's the notice of a lawsuit, just like with bar grievances on attorneys. Once you have a, a, a bar grievance filed, that's a claim on that bond, and it sticks with them forever. If they get too many, they can't be insured anymore. It's like a drunk with seven DUIs trying to get a, a car insured. If he does get it, it'll come pay through the nose, but they're never going to want to insure him because he's a huge liability to them. So that's that's how powerful these things are.
No, that's fantastic. And uh, Stephen, as it pertains to these documents, I know that you created these. And again, I'm going to reach out to Rose and figure out where they live. I'm sure that uh, Crow Triple Seven put these up uh, on their website somewhere. So I'm going to find those links and I'll try to link those below, guys, because these are the tools you're going to need to learn all this stuff and then implement these strategies in your neck of the woods. Uh, I'm just trying to find this part in the document where you wrote, here it is, you wrote, the law in this country is, well, I don't know if I have a word to describe it, but it's damn near perfect. Lawyers have polluted it, and there's a reason. There's scripture about lawyers. Shakespeare said, kill the lawyers first. Learning it yourself is key. All lawyers are bound to the bar, so they can only work within the system. You are not bound to anything, and you can destroy that system if you choose. Good luck and Godspeed, my brothers and sisters. Again, man, this is a great awakening. I really think it is. Some of the things I've learned from Christopher James, boy, they, they line up with Alphonse and the things that you know he's taught me and my audience. Now, you're actually implementing these strategies with great success and making a change where you live on a local level. That's what we all been wishing for. That's what we all want. We want to see change on a local level because, you know, the federal government, if it's criminal, there's not a lot we can do about that right now until the next election, sadly, you know, because the DOJ is in the pocket of these same corrupt people. But on a local level, that's the key to saving our country, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, I mean, as General Flynn says, local action will have a national impact. And that's, that's true. I mean, we can change things at the local level, and things won't go much further, you know, because these local guys think they can be big fish and they can be corrupt here. If we hold them to account here, you know, they're not going to get to that that higher level and, and be corrupt. Uh, it'll, it'll just stop. And I think there may be a way to stop the feds with this same system, but I'm not sure exactly how. I haven't delved too deeply into it. Because I think the local level, and school boards is, is an easy way. Uh, people get discouraged if they go and stand in front of a school board and nothing happens. And But if you can hold them accountable directly uh, you, and get them to get changed on the spot like I did, it's a huge confidence. And it was a pretty easy one for me. And I'm just like say, I, I've never, ever been to any kind of official meeting or public official meeting or any kind like that. And... I walked out 20 feet taller than I walked in. And just because I beat them and I scared them and I promise they will never ever want to see me on their agenda again. <laughs> I know that for sure. They're never gonna to want to see my name come across their desk again. But they'll, they'll heal when I, you know, they'll, they'll, just, they'll say how high when I see them next time I show up if I need to, but I hope I don't. Yeah, well, you may need to if they're going to start rolling out vaccine mandates. And, uh, of course, one glimmer of hope here is U.S. Appeals Court affirms a hold on the Biden COVID-19 vaccine mandate. U.S. Appeals Court on Friday upheld its decision to put on hold an order by puppet President Joe Biden for companies with 100 workers or more to require COVID-19 vaccines, rejecting a challenge by his, quote-unquote, my words, his corrupt administration. All right, so I'm not going to play the whole thing. You can go to SGT Reports and go listen to that. Um, I am going to start listening to maybe the Triple Code 7 and learn more about the law. Um, I personally think that's something I needed to be doing. I also, I just wanted to Google the Fauci dossier. I want to see if they actually, Fauci um, dossier. 
Oh, if it pulls it up. Uh, do not see it. I think you have to go to DuckDuckGo, you guys. And then um, I think that we should be beyond it's, it's time to get on the offense i believe is him is getting on the offense and and i'm going to say that for all my healthcare community people i'm going to play a clip um two clips to be honest and then i'm going to keep looking that up and see if you find it but there are some in my telegram that was really good and it was like someone in the military and i'm like if you don't think this has been going on longer than what she knows um i have so much in here that i'm just want to make sure I find it all but the clip there's a video in here um, of like 13 kids dead after the shot there's another video in here of um, people passing out on the street and they're like post a jab and that was a different country um, it was interesting there's a um, couple other speeches in here there's dr. Peter Mokula that it, I have some of that but this one this one that's what I wanted you to hear when I was on psychological operations in the Army in 2003, it was illegal to run psychological operations on the American people. Well, Obama changed that in 2014. Now it's perfectly legal to run PSYOP on the American people. You are living in a multifaceted psychological operations exercise on every front. I want you to ask yourself, when you're being told information like, Bill Gates says there's going to be a surprise outbreak, or Fauci says there's going to be this or that, or vials of smallpox are suddenly found and you get to know about it. Why? Why do you get to know about it? Because they're setting up a narrative. What is that narrative? What does the narrative gain? Everything in these operations are designed to make you afraid so that you do what the powers that be want you to do, okay? Win the hearts and minds of the people, okay? And that's done with fear. So stop being afraid. Okay. I thought that was really good. Somebody did a... But I thought, if you know Operation Mockingjay, that's been going on for quite a long time, and we now learned... If you think about it, because, I mean, growing up, all those CIA movies that they glorified the CIA in some way or shape or form to some of the shows I watched, the movie countless movies makes you really go oh okay yeah I see the CIA's hand in this and when we take a step back and we look at what the media and Hollywood and those people have been saying and I don't watch the news I, I censor it um, I watch Hallmark Channel right now if I watch any TV it's very little it's less than an hour a week you guys that's what I consume I'm so cautious with my brain now and the things I consume. And I'm like, I want to get that to other people that really understand. It's like what you take in is um, is really important. And we need to think of that with our children. And I'm now thinking of that in my grandchildren, the things I didn't know before. And how can I influence them? And how can I stand up for the next generation? I mean, if we're raptured, we're raptured. But until then, God gives us a, a goal and a thing to take care of. Uh, the widows, the homeless, the those that are vulnerable. Are we the people of Christ need to be taken care of? Um, and so I want to end it with this other clip because I don't like to make these super long. I have to just get to that clip here. And um, you can see the video if you want. I'm sure it's out there. But And I want to just say, you know, shout out to my Australians. 
um, and the people in New Zealand and other countries that have like been listening. Thank you so much. I've, I've noticed you guys and, um, please share it with yours. And I would love to know how you guys are fighting back. You can, if you're in telegram, if you can, if you, I know people have gotten sent me a message with my proton mail, I'm going to check that today. I check that mail like once a week. I really want to get away from Gmail. Gmail. So if you reach out holistic travel nurse at proton mail, I find that's better to reaching out to me. Um, I am wondering if I should get a VPN and something that will help like protect and, you know, get that serving, you know, so anywho, I'm now I feel like I'm rambling and I want to play this clip for you. Sometimes things don't work and, um, it will work here in a second. There's two clips and they're both, I, they're, I'm taking them from Amway No, but then they're on also my telegram. So know that those are out there. Um, and then there is, um, a couple of them also from the global rally. That was really cool. There was a nurse who did some global rally. There was a, there was a cool thing. There's a couple cool, really cool things that are in my, um, telegram. So this one. The limit to shut down a program is about 25 to 50 deaths. But it doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease and it doesn't uh, doesn't protect, protect you against passing it But we don't see anything in the in the current data that leads us to think that we need to go to, to plan B. With influenza, when they found 53 deaths as a result of the vaccine, they suspended the vaccine. We can show 45,000 deaths in 72 hours from this vaccine. There are four, over 4,000 dead Americans. There's over 10,000 dead people in Europe that died. That's what we need to stand up. You can listen to the whole thing. Here's a little bit more about this other suicide, this German doctor. In the postings, he has also said to have described the vaccine in his letter as a genocide and a crime against humanity. And he just happened to post a video a video from this guy who took his life. And I'm going to read it because he's speaking in uh, German. I'll just play a little bit of it. So I'm going to go ahead and read for those that are listening in and cannot read the words there about what is happening at the moment. He says, Germany, I can honestly summarize it as a door doctor, as a vaccinator, as someone who has treated people with ear, nose, and throat infections his whole life. I can only repeat that what is happening here has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the virus. It is worldwide, the introduction of a worldwide, worldwide dictatorship. Unfortunately, it has to be said in the last month, I've spent 1500 hours looking at the situation because I knew that it had nothing to do with anything medical. I couldn't understand what was going on. There are such interconnected aims. And last week in Spire, I was asked, I spoke before a thousand people, although I've never spoken in front of people before, never dared to, never had the courage to, but it's got to the point where we, it's just so incomprehensible what's happening. And they're all dancing to the same tune with each other. And if, and whoever still can't believe it, that we have a dictatorship, there's no other way to say it. Of course, it, it's being disguised. Of course, it's happening gradually, but that people uh, have to be, you know, because 
of completely disproportionate measures literally go onto the streets to protest for the reinstatement of their basic rights. Our forefathers wrote these exact rights into our basic laws and what they are now doing there. Many people won't notice it and they'll ask, what's all the fuss about? Well, I can only say, courage, anger, and a great heart. That's what unifies us. And all this has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with a virus. There we go. He's gone now. And uh, sometimes when I see suicides, I often wonder if that's the case or if they start taking these guys out. You know, I just wonder about these things when they're playing out. Another person who's standing in the gap, letting folks know what's going on. Remember, they had this conference where everyone came out to explain what happened to them. An orthopedic surgeon was part of it. He did 800 surgeries per year, but now cannot work due to COVID-19 vaccine injuries. I'm an orthopedic surgeon from Mequon, Wisconsin. After high school, I spent almost 14 years in education and training. I've developed a large orthopedic practice focusing primarily on joint replacement. I average over 5,000 patient visits per year and perform well over 800 surgical procedures per year. While my personal core identity focuses on my family, I love my job as an orthopedic surgeon. My patients and co-workers will undoubtedly say that I have a passion for my job. On December 30th of 2020, I received the first Moderna COVID vaccine without incident initially. Approximately one week later, I recognized that my feet were numb, a sensation of pins and needles. I also began having powerful electrical shock sensations down my entire spine, radiating to my feet. Within days, I obtained an MRI of my cervical spine. It revealed no acute changes to account for my numbness. Move forward three or four days, I was sitting in a clinic room at work, talking with a patient. I attempted just simply to stand from a sitting position. I couldn't stand. I pushed myself up with my arms, then quickly fell backwards. Later that day, I had MRIs of my thoracic and lumbar spine. I soon saw a neurologist, actually two to three days later, who diagnosed me with transverse myelitis, a rare condition that involves a demyelinated lesion of my thoracic spinal cord. While my neurologist recommended I take two or three months off of work, I agreed to take two weeks. After I returned, I operated on, a, on two consecutive days, although I intended shortened schedule. After the second day, I felt horrible. I was numb from my umbilicus to my feet. I could barely walk. Uh, and I've really been, I have been off work since. I'm just not safe to work as an orthopedic surgeon. After my diagnosis, I brought up the question of whether my condition could be related to the Moderna COVID vaccine that I received. I asked my employer to report it to theirs. I was aware that the UK AstraZeneca COVID vaccine trial was delayed twice because of three cases of transverse myelitis. Assuming the FDA and the CDC would be alarmed at my diagnosis, I expected to be contacted soon after my VAERS submission. No phone call, no contact. In fact, weeks passed. I then contacted the CDC myself 
They acknowledged my VAERS submission, but stated my reaction was categorized as not serious, as I had not been hospitalized and I hadn't died. I have never heard from the CDC again. No contact with NIH, no contact from the FDA. I notified Moderna directly numerous times and asked that I be contacted. No one from Moderna ever contacted me. One word describes how I felt in the first few months after my diagnosis, abandoned. <clears throat> my life has dramatically changed after this adverse reaction. My career of 19 years, excuse me, that I took almost 14 years to train for is likely over. While my electrical sensations have decreased, my numbness, weakness, and poor balance are unchanged as compared to January of 2021. I compare myself now to a car. I begin each day with a quarter tank of gas. When my fuel tank is empty, I'm done for the day. If I overdo it, like today, I plan on spending the next day or two on the couch. Let me be clear, I am pro-vaccine. I got one Moderna COVID vaccine. Let me be clear, I had a real adverse event. I urge the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and all other involved governmental agencies to listen to the injured. It's not happening. Adverse events are real. I urge everyone to become open and transparent with COVID vaccine data. The virus system is grossly inadequate. I am bewildered how we as a country seem to be dependent on foreign data. I urge additional monies be allocated to studying the etiologies and treatment of these adverse events. I also urge Congress to enact legislation to allow for financial remedy under the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program for those injured by the COVID-19 vaccinations. Thank the Nuremberg you. Code needs to be in place. I'm sorry. It needs to be in place. Okay, that's where I was going to end it because there's there's a lot in this one. I mean, if you go listen to the whole SGT, SGT report, and um, I think it's time to get off the bench. Um, file, figure out how to file complaints, stand up for your kids, and no masking and no shots. <laughs> if you're getting your kids a shot, God be with you. If you let them ever take another vaccine, ever. Um, because there's so many people that are still so brainwashed. It's very, very sad. So that's how I'm going to end it today. Many prayers. God bless.